New this morning, the Kremlin is declining to comment on reports that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un may soon travel to Russia and meet with President Vladimir Putin. The U.S. is warning that arms negotiations between Russia and North Korea are, quote, actively advancing. It's all part of a potential deal in which North Korea would supply Moscow with weapons for its war on Ukraine. According to the New York Times, who first reported the details, the meeting may take place on the campus of a university in the eastern port city of Vladivostok, which is actually very close to North Korea. That is also where the Eastern Economic Forum is scheduled to take place starting next week. CNN National Security Correspondent Kylie Atwood is at the State Department. What are you learning about all this, Kylie? Well, listen, what we're hearing from the NSC spokesperson, Adrian Watson, is that U.S. information indicates that Kim Jong-un is actually expecting to have an engagement with President Putin in Russia. Now, the NSC isn't saying anything regarding the timing. As you said, the New York Times is reporting it could be in Vladivostok as soon as this month. We know that uh, Kim Jong-un has actually gone to Vladivostok in the past, in 2019. He took a train there. As you said, it's quite close to North Korea. It's in the far east of Russia. The backdrop here is that U.S. officials have been warning, you know, over the course of recent weeks, that these conversations between North Korea and Russia on a potential new arms agreement between the two Two countries have been actively advancing and we have seen steps uh, that could indicate that they are headed towards a leader level discussion on the matter. It was back in July when the Russian defense minister traveled to North Korea. According to the NSC, that was an effort to try and get North Korea to actually sell ammunition to Russia. There was another delegation of Russian officials who also went to North Korea after that. And then according to the NSC, Kim Jong-un and President Putin have actually exchanged letters. Now, the NSC's John Kirby said last week that this shows desperation on behalf of Russia. Listen to what he told reporters. Weakness. Uh, I mean, why else would Mr. Putin uh, have to be reaching out to rogue regimes? Where he's talking, he's going to Iran. He's going to, he's going to North Korea uh, to try to get artillery shells and, and, uh, and, the, and the basic materials so that he can continue to shore up his defense industrial base. There is no other way to look at that uh, than desperation and weakness, quite frankly. Now, John Kirby also said that the U.S. expects that this deal that's potentially uh, to come to fruition would include a significant amount of ammunition from North Korea to Russia to be used in multiple different kinds of Russian weapon system, and also the possibility of raw materials from North Korea to Russia that Russia could use essentially in its defense industrial complex. Uh, the concern also is what Russia would be giving to North Korea, with U.S. officials telling me the expectation is that North Korea is looking for advanced technology uh, that could be used in areas where they haven't quite advanced as far as they want to. So the concern is really on both sides here. John? Yeah, a lot of possible reasons for concern. Kylie Atwood, please keep us posted. Thank you so much. Kate? Yeah, let's talk more about this with CNN military analyst, retired General Wesley Clark. He's also, of course, the former NATO Supreme Allied Commander. General, it's great to see you. Thank you for coming in. What do you think of this new reporting? First, I mean, what can North Korea provide to Russia? What, how much of a difference do you think it would make? North Korea can provide Russia ammunition, uh, artillery, uh, technology of all types of, sort of low-level technology for weapons, plus the raw materials. Uh, and so uh, they would be, uh, at least in the near term, uh, a major factor in enabling Russia
to do more in its northeast offensive against Ukraine. Now, there's been discussions for months that these talks are ongoing. Uh, some believe that weapons are, or ammunition has already been provided, and the latest reports we're getting from the battlefield. There was a period of time where it seemed like the Russian forces didn't have the artillery they wanted. Now it seems like they're getting the artillery ammunition to reestablish their dominance in rates of fire over Ukraine. So maybe some of this is already happening. You know, previously and somewhat successfully, the United States has used kind of this remarkable strategy of publicly releasing intelligence regarding Russia in order to deter nations from helping in their war effort. If that is a little bit of what we are seeing here, do you think it will work with North Korea? I mean, does North Korea care in the same way that maybe China would seem to be in, in being called out? Well, uh, Kim Jong-un is a clever negotiator, and he plays all angles. So he wants something from Putin. He's giving something to Putin, or go perhaps going to give a lot more to Putin to get what he wants. But he's also sensitive to what China might say, and to some extent, sensitive to the uh, world community. So um, he, he's, he's weighing the risks. The United States strategy of releasing information has some impact but, uh, but Putin is, as John Kirby said, increasingly desperate to get the materials, the munitions that he needs to strengthen his attack into Ukraine. So I think uh, he'll make the bargain, and I expect uh, Kim Jong-un to uh, get what he needs out of it. Let's bring in Nick Robertson to explain and give us a little bit more context here. So, Nick, just walk us through what a potential arms deal would mean for both countries and how a sort of closer alliance between the two countries, what does that mean for both of them politically? Yeah, they both have a need of what each other has. Uh, North Korea has an abundance and the ability to produce more of, of those weapon systems, the 152-millimeter, the 122-millimeter systems that the expert in Paula's uh, report w was talking about. Um, that interoperability, um, it's the same era of weapons. It's the same type of stock, you know, generally sort of called Soviet-era type weapons. That's what Russia uses on the battlefield in Ukraine. It's in a war of attrition. It's using up its own stocks. It's put its factories on high production, some of them on 24-hour production a day to just, just to get the armaments into the fight. Whoever comes out on top in Ukraine is essentially the one that's going to in, be able to um, put down the most fire. That's typically, um, you know, the outcome of most wars. So Putin is desperate for that, those weapons, uh, with the ammunition in particular, but more weapon systems as well for those that are lost on the front line that North Korea can provide. And, and we know Kim Jong-un um, is dedicating a large part of, um, you know, his, his nation's wealth to developing offensive military capabilities to keep his enemies wrong-footed, nuclear-powered submarines, if this information is correct, would be ideal for him. It would give him a launch platform uh, of, from unknown locations, a stealthy launch platform, if you will, for the ballistic missile systems that he's developing. And the, uh, to be able to put his own satellites into orbit and to use the information and intelligence they glean, again, would be a potential benefit for him. So, you know, both these leaders need each other. But it also feels at this time that Putin, you know, talking about Iran in this context as well, going to them for weapons and selling cheap oil to China. Um, you know, he is perhaps in the more desperate situation. His need is absolutely urgent 
because if he doesn't get it, um, that does diminish his chances of winning the fight in Ukraine. And let's talk about President Erdogan trying to sort of encourage Vladimir Putin to rejoin the Black Sea grain deal. I mean, A, how likely is that to actually happen? And B, what does Vladimir Putin want in exchange? It was interesting from that meeting yesterday that uh, President Erdogan speaking afterwards said that really it was Ukraine that needed to soft it, soften its position and become a little more aligned with Russia's position and that he said President Putin was right to say that you know he didn't really see how if Ukraine was exporting its grain to uh, a lot of it to Europe or you know richer nations how that was an economic and a humanitarian benefit around the world and therefore questioning the need for for the Black Sea grain deal, at least for Ukraine. Um, we've got more information from uh, uh, from President Erdogan today, which, it, which I think is revealing. Um, what Putin is trying to do is roll back sanctions that have been imposed on Russia, financial sanctions that have blocked him from the swift uh, international financial mechanisms. And that, according to President Erdogan today, is, is one of his red lines for coming back into that grain deal. So Putin wants back into the grain deal only if some sanctions, important ones that are hurting his country and economy, uh, are rolled back. Um, and I think, you know, it was very clear that was the read from, from Kiev as well, because uh, Dmitry Kubela, the foreign minister, said very much the same at the end of yesterday. What Putin is doing is blackmail. Um, so is the deal ready to be done? It doesn't appear to be so. All right, Nick Robertson, thank you.